This episode of the Brunch and Slay podcast is brought to you by Partnership and Sponsorship One-on-One, a digital course created for all of you go-getters striving to gain partnership and support from brands who value you and your audience. Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sain, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best life every day. show it's me Amira and for those of you who are turning tuning in for the first time thank you for giving Brunch and Slay a chance I hope you enjoy this episode I know that the woman who you're going to hear from is a true powerhouse you hear me say that a lot but I love to surround myself around women who are go-getters and who own their space uh, if, you, if you are a avid listener or you listen a couple of times here and there thank you for your support I ask that you please do us a favor and scroll on down and subscribe to the show and share it with your friends and give us a review and rate rating on your destination, whether that's SoundCloud, iTunes, Podcast Addict. I'm happy to have all reviews and ratings. So today's episode is from a lady who is the founder of Medley Inc. PR and digital marketing. So that's a really cool company here in Texas who kicks butt and takes names in the PR realm. She is a tech news contributor from stations and uh, broadcast companies, all the, everything from ABC to Canada Broadcast Network. She's an advocate for issues that impact teenage girls and women of color. Miss Ashley Small. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Amira. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy to have you here because you are a no-nonsense kind of woman. And it's so funny because even still, you know, looking at you, it, it never, it just amazes me that you, all that power is in this little bitty package. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so funny. My, my name is, is small, so it's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of irony and yes. all of that. Yes, yes, yes. So let's jump right in. So tell me how you fell in love with PR. Oh, gosh. So how I fell in love with PR. Well, you know, I initially went to school to be a print journalist. I thought I wanted to work in a newspaper. Um, right before I was about to graduate from college, I was introduced to public relations. And what I liked about public relations is that it allowed me to kind of dibble and dabble in all mediums. And so one day I may be at the TV station for hours, um, but leading up to that TV segment, I was working as a kind of co-producer, pitching the segment and, and um, creating visual elements. And so I've kind of been able to put a producer hat on, put a publicist hat on, but then I also get to go to the radio station sometimes and pitch content for radio. I get to imagine what an editorial may look like in a magazine. I get to imagine what a feature article in a newspaper may look like. And so all of my years through high school, I worked in the school paper, through college in journalism, and some of my post-college experience, I was able to merge all of that in PR. And so that's what I like about it. It keeps me on my toes. I have to stay sharp. I have to stay on top of what's new in the industry. Uh, but I love the fact that I was always challenged. And I love the fact that um, it was always something new and fresh. And, and that's kind of how I fell in love with PR. It, it, it suits my personality for sure. 
I can see that. And, and to know that you already had, you had an idea of what realm you wanted to be in. And a lot of times you don't hear someone say that from high school, they were pretty much involved and I guess to be able to connect the dots so clearly uh, from you already working in journalism in high school and going to college, knowing you wanted to kind of be in that realm, you basically just cast your net a little bit wider. Um, and that's really cool. So yeah, was, definitely. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, I was just going to kind of recap what you said. No, exactly. I am. Um, I, I always knew that journalism was a direction, but I did not know how vast it could be. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. So what was your first job right out of college? So right out of college, I went to go work at the Houston Chronicle. Um, and it was in 2009. And, and it was the year that Twitter and Facebook kind of started thriving as major platforms to, to build a personal brand, not quite yet professional yet, uh, but public figures were starting to emerge on social media. And that was the same year that the newspaper industry declined by 50%. So naturally, I was laid off um, just because the industry was declining. My, I worked in advertising at the time, and um, my industry was declining at a rapid pace. And from there, I had to get real creative. I went to go work on a political campaign. Bill White was running for governor, our mayor, our former mayor here in Houston. I worked for him when he's running for governor. And then I went to go work for a magazine called Jones Magazine, which was the first uh, high-end fashion and luxury magazine catered for women of color. And then eventually I came into um, entrepreneurship, and here we are. Fast forward to 2018, I've been doing this for nine years. Wow. So what was that transition? Like, when did that light bulb come on? Was it something you always kind of thought of once you started dabbling in other areas? Or was there something that just hit you? It was something, was there a catalyst? I think that I've always had an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial mindset really is far as long as I can remember. I've always been the kind of the person in the room when they, when you see an opportunity, you seize it, or when you see a problem, you try to fix it. That's kind of always been my mindset, um, entrepreneurial, but I did not ever see myself going into entrepreneurship, not necessarily. Uh, what happened was when I was at Jones, I worked with, you know, at a small startup magazine, any startup really, you're wearing a lot of hats. And so I was producing events, I was running digital, and I was um, selling ads along the way. And what I found is many of our advertisers did not know how to market their business and leverage on the advertising dollars they were spending. So as I started to build relationships with them, I started to realize there's a lot of business owners out here who really don't know how to leverage new media and traditional media to reach their target audiences. And so I really came out of a desire to help others. Eventually, about a year after I started kind of contracting out and, and helping some folks here and there, some local boutiques and whatnot, I was able to sustain a full-time income about a year into it. And that's when I thought, okay, maybe I'll give this a go full-time. Wow. So one year and you saw an opportunity, you saw a hole and a disconnect and you filled it and did it well. <laughs> so was there a Thank lot of referrals you. in the early days or was it a lot of pounding the pavement? Yes. Yeah, so I'm so grateful that my clients from the very beginning, you know, shout out to Mella Jama Boutique. That was my very first client right there on Almeida. Oh, um, Jackie. Jackie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jackie sent me so much business. She, people would ask her, who's doing your newsletter? Who's running your Facebook? And she would say, you know, Ashley, Medley Inc. 
And so she sent me a lot of, a lot of business. So even to this day, about 95% of our business, our new business is word of mouth. Our clients have always been um, generous in sharing us with other people. And so they, they've always, you know, shared about their experiences and that's how garnered new business. Um, and I want to say that I did, I, while I had that full-time job during that year making that transition, I started contracting out um, staff members. So I had a young woman who was a contractor, but she's there full-time keeping the office going while I was um, maintaining my full-time job. And then I had another contractor who was there part-time. Then I started hiring writers here and there. So I kind of built a team to help us sustain so it could be more profitable. So by the time I transitioned, we were making a little money by then. And I was managing that team, but I wasn't having to be so hands-on because um, that was already in the works for us when I made that transition. I want to be kind of forthcoming about that because sometimes entrepreneurship looks like it looks so easy, but um, there was a lot that went on behind the scenes that I rarely ever talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, that I mean, that says a lot that you realize what you needed to delegate very quickly. A lot of times people are reluctant to uh, relinquish different aspects of their business because as an entrepreneur, especially in the beginning, it's like your child. You feel as if you have to have your hands on everything. So to be able to identify what areas you could seek help or guidance or, or even pass along and delegate, that says a lot about that can do attitude and that you had you had intentions and you knew where you wanted it to go. So yeah, that, that says a lot about your insight. Thank you. Yeah. So you've been doing this for nine years and I'm sure you've had some major moments that you have just have to stop and pat yourself on the back about. What are a couple of things that you've accomplished that you feel like I still can't believe that happened? Oh gosh. Well, you know, last year, I don't know if you know, we, we were invited to the U.S. Capitol. That was definitely, that was definitely the, the biggest kind of milestone. That was one of those things that I, I had to pinch myself several times whenever, whenever we were sitting there in the Capitol. But um, a young woman had seen an article that I've, that I've written for Ebony Magazine, and she reached out to me through LinkedIn and asked me that I want to come to the Capitol, me and my team, to speak to the Democratic um, the, the Senate essentially about uh, how to engage millennials and minorities online. And um, it was something I never would have imagined, but I think it happened at such a great time because we were prepared. And um, it was a full circle moment because I kind of started off in politics. I never thought I'd be there again. But that was one of those moments that I pinched myself about. Even to this day, we were, you know, we were invited to the Capitol. It came through digital media. She found an article we've written and reached out through LinkedIn. There's so much power in social media because she vetted us. She, you know, she combed through all of my digital platforms to see if we were even a good fit. And so that was one of those moments that I never, ever will forget just being there, you know, going through, you know, security and really understanding we are the experts here in this room among such great leaders that represent people who are deciding um, the fate of our future. So it was big. I, I took it pretty seriously. Oh, I can. I mean, why wouldn't you? That's amazing. And it's all from, like you said, it's, it's not just writing an article. It's about the preparation leading up to the article. It's about being prepared and staying ready. So you've been prepared. Yeah. Stay ready so you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's like the realest thing ever. It really is because the fact that we were able to pull from some data that we'd already been working on, we were able to tell our story authentically. But the other piece of it is, Amira, you know, 
I wrote this article for Ebony Magazine because I was passionate about something. And I, it was a little personal for me, but it was something that I felt like young women could relate to. And I decided to write that article just because I felt like I wanted to share. And oftentimes I think women in business, we kind of, we, we um, minimize our words and minimize the power of our voice. And we don't use the opportunity to pin our thoughts or like you create a platform like a podcast um, because we don't, we, we, we tell ourselves, no one wants to hear what I have to say, or my words don't matter, or we're rushed, we're rushed through a conversation because we feel like what we have to offer is not valid. And that was a good lesson for me, too, through that experience. You know, Ashley, when you have something you feel very passionate about and compelled to share, write it and send it to the number one, you know, African-American publication in the country and see what happens. Right. And so that, that was another, that was a, not only was it gratifying professionally, but from a, from a um, holistic standpoint, it was very gratifying as well. Right. And, and we just say it all the time, you know, if you want to do something you've never done, you got to do something, be something you've never been, you got to do something you've never done. And you got to get uncomfortable. Exactly. And I know, like you said, I'm one of those people too. I am not very good at being vulnerable. I'm not very good at um, sharing personal things with the public. <laughs> So mm-hmm. I can I can totally understand how that have to make you uncomfortable because I know that in business you know that what you rock you know what you own there's no doubt it's in your walk it's in your talk you know like there is you, you got it so I I can understand how that must have been uncomfortable and I'm so glad you did it too I remember looking at your feed and seeing that thinking wow you're one of those people I'm looking when I when I'm able to scroll through social media when I have that leisure time. I am cheering, you know, I'm, I'm always like, no, that's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. So now you also do a lot of special projects for teen girls and women of color, and you even do some things involving Africa. Tell me a little bit about that. So, you know, I am uh, on the board of a nonprofit called Women Empowering Nations. And what Women Empowering Nations does is it focuses on creating cross-cultural experiences for young women of color. Um, oftentimes, young women are um, coming from communities that you know, are not economically advantaged. And so I grew up in a community like that. You know, I didn't come from a very wealthy household. And I also didn't come up from a generation of family members who traveled a lot. And so when I went to Africa, when I was probably, I don't know, about 22 for the first time, my confidence shot through the roof in a way that I never would have anticipated. Um, Just being in a space where everyone looks like you, everyone welcomes you, and everyone is glad to see that you've come home, um, that changed me because I didn't grow up feeling like that all the time. And I thought to myself, and this is what the founder of Women Empowering Nations will tell you too, because she had the same experience. We, 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 We thought to ourselves, just imagine the type of women we'd be now if we had that experience at a younger age where we have that boost of confidence, feeling like we belong, where we're, we're at the table and everyone at the table looks like us. And not only looks like us, but really believes in us and is rooting for us. Um, and so that's kind of how I, when I, when I saw what Carlisha Williams was doing, the director, she's from Oklahoma like I am, I emailed her and I said, Carlisha, and this is probably like, I don't know, eight, eight years ago or something. I said, Carlisha, I love what you're doing. Whatever I can do to help, just please let me know. And um, eventually I would just volunteer here and there. And then eventually I became a board member. But I want to make sure I answer your question. What we do is every other year we take a group of American girls 
to different parts of the world. Uh, two years ago, we went to Amsterdam. We did the whole Anne Frank experience, so they could see that experience to see how the Jewish population was oppressed for many years. And then we took them to Tanzania, so they could see that experience as well. And there we um, had a conference called the um, Travel Seminar, Girls Leading Our World Travel Seminar, where we had African girls and African American girls immersed in a week-long uh, conference. And we touched on topics such as character building, self-esteem, but also topics like economic development and leadership and sustainability so they could also know it's great to feel good, but here are the tools to do something about it to help change um, your environment. So it's near and dear to my heart. I, it's, it's the thing I'd like to do whenever I decide to retire from Medley. Mm -hmm. That's my, 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 my heart job. And so right now we are three passionate volunteers that make up the leadership team. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, though, because we're going to um, Ghana this summer. And I'm very, oh, very grateful for that. Exciting. So how can people get their girls involved in this organization? Or how can they support it? And that's a great question. Um, we have a website. It's www.wenations.org. So it's winnations.org, but there's only one N. So wenations.org. And there is a tab to partner. If there's opportunities to partner with a school, a corporate organization, or even um, just to donate. We do have local programming here as well. We're always looking for mentors. We're in Yellowstone Academy every month. Where we have a four-year commitment with the students there, and it's fantastic because we're able to see them as they go into middle school and make their way out into high school and follow them. We're there every single month. Um, doing workshops and mentorship programs with them. And ultimately, when they, when they make it to that high school level, we plan to take a, a group of them on our trip to, to Africa. But, um, so we're there on the ground every single month right here in Houston. That's, our, that's kind of our ongoing programming, and we're always looking for volunteers. Oh, that's really cool. I wasn't aware of that. So do you know what, what was it that really made it important for you to connect with teenage girls? What, what triggered that for you? Well, I definitely think it was realizing how I felt whenever I went to Africa in particular, but just even my experiences in America when I was, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is not nearly as diverse as and kind of inclusive as Houston. When you go to Houston, you know, you, you see people from all backgrounds and I was at NASA last week and I was just listening and I heard about, and I counted, and I heard about five different languages in less than two minutes just around me. And some of them I could kind of pick up on them, and some I'd never heard before. And, and so Houston, every city is not like Houston. Um, so where I'm from, Tulsa, is quite the opposite. It's very segregated. And so um, it wasn't until I was about 12 that this young girl came to my school, and she looked like me physically, her skin complexion, her hair, her kind of body frame, and, I, and she was like the all-star student in her high school class. And they were like they were like the exceptional students that take field trips and go go do what I'm doing now, really, essentially, um, in the middle schools. And I thought, my goodness, I've never experienced someone who looks kind of like me physically, but also kind of has the same energy. And that was the first time I realized, okay, I can be someone that I don't see every day. And this is not the same thing as like our mothers and aunts. We know they're fantastic. This person was more kind of with an arm's reach and more relatable. And so that was the first time I realized how much how important it was for me to see representation like that. And pretty much the trajectory of my life has been 
kind of clinging to women who I, who I see who exemplify kind of power and confidence and, and love and empathy too, because, you know, you can be powerful and confident, but if you're not willing to give back and show someone else the way, it really doesn't matter. And so um, I gravitated for women like that at a young age, and I've just continued to do that as well. And so that was my story, and that's kind of what I clung to growing up is looking for the leader in the room. And because that worked for me in terms of keeping me motivated, I felt I feel obligated to, to give back in that same way. More Brunch and Slay after this. Are you out there trying to figure out how to connect with brands and how to get them to help you make your dreams come true? Don't panic. I totally understand where you're coming from. When I first started Brunch and Slay, I was in way over my head. I knew I had something that other people could relate to, but I didn't know exactly how to connect with brands to get them to understand my dream. And I didn't know how to talk to them and get them to support me. That was until I did a whole lot of homework. Once I did that homework, I got my sea legs. And after doing so much homework, I figured out this was some information that I had to share with others, which is why I created Sponsorship and Partnership 101. It's a 20-minute digital course located on brunchandslay.com where you can find out everything I do to partner with brands like Kroger, Microsoft, NARS, and so many more. It's been a great journey, and I am happy to share the information with you. Head on over to brunchandslay.com to learn everything you need to know about Sponsorship and Partnership 101. And now back to our interview with Ashley Small. You know, that's a beautiful thing. It's amazing to me how you can look back at your life and there's these little moments. You don't realize them at that time, of course, um, but there are moments that truly change the trajectory of your life or either really push you or deeper into your calling or what you're supposed to be. And for us to recognize those moments and give back to them and for you to be putting so much energy and you don't have to, that's what's so beautiful about it. You don't have to, you recognize that it's a need, you're passionate about it and you're inspiring other little girls who are going to inspire other little girls. And it's the circle of life. It's beautiful. Yeah. I feel really grateful to be able to, to get back in this way. So since you, now that you've been in PR for quite a while now, and you are definitely a pro and a veteran at this, what are some things that you can say have definitely changed since you initially began your journey in the industry? Oh my gosh. Like I have to be honest, you know, I'm kind of the old chick in the office. <laughs> um, you know, the younger women, you use like Instagram stories or Snapchat stories. I know how to use them. I use them for clients. But this level of transparency and urgency and immediacy that we see in digital, it's, um, it, it does become overwhelming for me. And even as someone who I, I rely on social media, one, because I, I like to share my story, but I also rely on it because I do get new business opportunities from it. But the level of transparency um, has been the most shocking kind of piece for me. I mean, I'm like you, like I, I think we shared that, that idea of, you know, how much do I want to share? Do I want to be vulnerable? What's sacred for me? I question. I ask myself those questions all the time, but I know in my line of business, the more transparent I am, the more that I can convince my clients to be transparent, the more successful we'll all be. Um, but it really is about finding that balance. And so that's, so, so to answer your question, the way social media has shaped the way we communicate has been shocking for me because it's happened so quickly, especially with real-time engagement. That's something I would have anticipated would happen so fast in terms of it's the new normal to 
You know, I've seen people in their bathtubs going live on, on social media. Yeah, that's it. I've seen that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But people keep moving the needle. And when, when I think we're transparent, someone shows up in the bathtub and I'm like, dang, <laughs> I can't compete with that. I'm no, not I doing that. <laughs> and the crazy thing is yesterday, I went live for the first time on Instagram. Um, and it was, it was weird because I didn't even know that you could add folks in, you know, I had, I've done video and put it in my story, but I had not gone live. And I think I like that better than doing the video for the story. Um, I, I used to have a Periscope account when it first came out. I didn't really, you know, fall in love with it or get too into it, but I can totally see now that by the time my daughter gets to be even 18, oh my goodness. Like the things that you'll be able to know about people will probably be way more than you and I would ever be comfortable with. Um, it's just moving so fast. Yeah. And then, and then the younger generation, you know, we're somewhat digital natives, but they really are digital natives. So for them, it's when you say privacy and transparency, it's, it doesn't have the same meaning as it does for us because for them, they grew, they literally grew up with it at their fingertips. And so, so that's been the greatest, that's been the greatest kind of shift that I am still adapting to every day. And luckily I always have team members around me who, who push me in that direction a little more. And, um, and we do have to convince some clients that there's value in being transparent, particularly when relating to millennials. Um, but that, that's been the biggest shift that I've seen. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't think I ever would anticipate, would have anticipated that we would be able to thrive in this space um, that is comprised of multicultural marketing, specifically with the focus on reaching millennials. And so I am the target audience of most of our clients. And so that's something I don't think I anticipated either, but that's, that's been a, a good shift that was unexpected, but it's just a great time to be, to be in this, um, and to be alive and really, and I think that folks are starting to recognize the buying power of our demographic and, and it's a good time to be in marketing and to truly understand the power of, of our dollar. Oh yeah. And so who's your current inspiration? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm, of course, Oprah always, Oprah is always absolutely. the go-to for everybody. <laughs> um, I, I, absolutely. But I love, like, I love Bazamon St. John at oh, Oprah. Yes. yes. <laughs> She's probably my, my, she's definitely up there at the top. I love how kind of unapologetic she is. I love that she comes to the office. She'll post about it. She comes to the office and she does not, um, she does not minimize her brand or her power. And I imagine she's in positions sometimes where she may be challenged and, 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 and others may shrink. I may shrink in those environments, but I like to imagine that she doesn't because she's gotten so far in her life. So she really, to me, represents um, really well for women of color. And she also does it boldly and fearlessly. So she, she's a person I'm watching all the time now. And I'm, I'm looking at what she's up to. I, I love her social media because to me, she doesn't spend a lot of time um, trying to make it look like, like an editorial spread, which is fantastic and it's fine. I think it looks beautiful. But I'm inspired whenever I just see her authenticity translate across all um, platforms. I really appreciate that. It inspires me. Oh yeah. And she's very good. I mean, she gets that she is the brand that the companies want. And I, and I think that people who are still in, and she's a great example of working for a corporation and still having her own brand. 
Um, and she's yeah. so colorful. Like the things that she wears, she'll wear her braids, her long box braids, all those things that we typically have been told in the past, you can't do that. You got to dial it down yeah. with your long nails. That's what I love. Yeah, she's a great one. That's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. She's pretty awesome. So now are you a reader or are you a person who likes to listen to podcasts or do more audio books or video? What's your preference? Um, I would say that I do a little bit, a combination of both. I, I, I'm more of a reader though. I, I love to read. Um, I, I can get lost in a good book and spend several days there. So, but, but I do a combination of both. So what are you reading right now? Do you have anything to recommend? So what am I reading right now? I am reading The Power of Habit, and I've read it before, but I'm reading it again because I need to get my get my ducks in order moving in the quarter two of the year. Um, so I don't know if you've read it. Have you read it before? No, I, I hadn't read that one. No. Okay, so the underlying theme is do, do anything like you do everything. And so every single thing from how you close your computer and where you store it. Be consistent about that. You know, what time you have your coffee every day, be consistent about that. Um, have a schedule for your Mondays and don't budge on that. And I know that, and I know that I've read it before, but I feel as though lately I've been so overwhelmed that I need to hit the reset button. And that book is a good one that I go to just to remember how important it is to prioritize. You know, they say it takes 21 days to form a healthy habit um, and to keep that habit. And so uh, that book kind of reemphasized that message. But for me, what's so important about the book is that it reminds me of how much peace of mind you buy yourself by just being consistent and consistent in everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, so that's one of my go-tos. But I I read that, I don't know, probably every few years just because it's a good one that that I have some good kind of nuggets that I go to to remind myself, okay, here's a good way to develop a new habit. Here's some good habits to take on yeah yeah i'm a very structured person so i don't do well out of routine (laughs) there we go my breaks like seriously it's it's i can totally tell when i'm off center if i've if i've you know done something off it just totally jacks me up well yeah especially as an entrepreneur you have to be disciplined and you have to be organized because it is so easy to just uh look up in the days that pass by especially if you work from home and then, and then, um, and the days kind of start blurring together. So, so I am not like you. I'm not naturally. I'm, I'm. Luckily, I'm a hard worker because I'm a, I'm an artist kind of at my core, and I'm a creative. And so, I have got to be very, very strict about my schedule. Otherwise, I'll be sitting on the beach somewhere daydreaming. <laughs> if only, right? If only. If only. That, that, that's, that's what my spirit tells me to do, but my mind is like, no, girl, no, no. You like to eat. You like to eat and have a roof over your head, so that's right? not going to work. All right, so this Saturday, you can brunch with anybody in the world dead or alive. Who are you brunching with? Oh, my gosh, you have a great question. <laughs> um, Maya Angelou, Dr. Maya Angelou, for sure. You know, yesterday was her birthday. Yes, phenomenal and, woman. Uh, phenomenal woman. And um, yeah, no, I, without a doubt, um, she's the one person I want to meet that are alive, but a brunch with that are alive. But there's so much about, every time I hear her speak, whether the topic is on the relationship between mothers and daughters, which I think is such an interesting dynamic. Um, 
whether it's that, whether it's feminism, whether it's on faith, um, whether it's on love, every single department that I've heard her kind of touch on, kind of area, I just feel automatically lifted and wiser just from listening to her. And I think, my goodness, what would it be like to just sit across from her? And we honestly, I feel like she didn't have the same thing. I wouldn't have said anything just sitting there looking at her. Her wisdom would just pour out onto me. So. Yes, yes. So what aspect or area of your life are you currently slaying? Oh, what aspect of my life am I currently slaying? Hmm. What aspect of my life? Let's see. I believe that I am for the first time in my adult life slay my personal life. All right. This, you know, that's like, let me yeah. clap. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. It is awesome because I've been at this with Medley for nine years. I've been in the industry for going on 14 years now. And honestly, I've been working since I was like 12 years old. And so, um, honestly, this is the first time in my entire life that um, I bought this big, really gaudy, over-the-top anchor, like a, a sailing anchor. It's really like gold and mirrored, and it's not really my style when it comes to home decor. I'm more of a minimalist. But um, I bought it because I've been really running with the theme of being anchored and just feeling like, okay, I feel good. I'm not, I'm not losing sleep, and I'm going to yeah. do whatever it takes that you know, and so it's a new thing for me. Talk to me in a year from now, and I'll listen, and we'll see how it goes. But it's nice, you know, putting my diet first, taking time if I'm feeling stressed in the middle of the day to get on my bike and go ride for just like 10 minutes, just 10 minutes, just to buy myself some peace of mind. Um, I have all these plants that I love up on now, and I go to a rowing class on Sundays. This is so new for me and I'm delegating I'm delegating delegating so <laughs> no that's beautiful and I don't think anybody has ever said that I mean most of the time we have one particular area but to really make it a priority and that's the constant juggle that's like the million dollar question how do you balance how do you have it all you got to make it a priority just like you get up to brush your teeth and wash your face every day you got to say it's not an option <laughs> It's just not an option. Yeah. You got to say it, and you just got to say it. And I, I read this somewhere recently. It was uh, The book was called Minimalism. That's a, it's a pretty good book. It's an easy read, but it's called Minimalism. And, you know, what they do is they encourage the readers to go in and assess the, the five most important things in your life. Maybe their finances, maybe it's health, maybe it's love, et cetera. But essentially the, the underlying theme is, but if you don't have health, like none of that matters. You can be a millionaire, but if your heart failing doesn't matter, if your mental state is not where it should or where it could be, then you can't even be effective in your workspace. And so that book, I read that in December, and that probably did contribute to kind of my new outlook on my personal health this year. But but yeah, it, it's a different, especially in the space that we navigate in. We know we're entrepreneurial women. We're we're taught to be ambitious, and and which is fantastic, but. We're taught to be on all the time. And so I've been turning the clock off. You know, I told you I got my personal phone now. So I have a yes. personal phone and a work phone now. <laughs> that enough. I, I thought that was a lot. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're going to be very separate. So no, so this is good for me. I already feel so much better. Well, congratulations, because I know that's a major step. I know that's major. So, so where can everybody find you and where can they support you, Ashley? Well, so our company website is medley-inc.com, and Medley is on social media at Medley Inc. Just about everywhere, Medley, M-E-D-L-E-Y-I-N-C. 
I am on social media. I'm on Twitter at Ashley R. Small. My middle name is Renee, so it's Ashley R. Small. And then I'm on Instagram at Ashley Small. On LinkedIn at Ashley Small as well. And I love talking to folks. I've been trying to get better at LinkedIn, but please message me if you're listening and want to chat more. <laughs> yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, I just uh, did a blog about it because I actually got to sit down with some folks and some executives there and they kind of walked me through all the things we need to do to get that page right. So that was pretty awesome. And that's a, that's a beast I haven't tamed yet either. And I do need to dedicate some more energy to it. So that's one of my oh, things on my ever going to do list. So yeah. <laughs> it's always something else. Yeah, so thank you so much for taking time out of your day, Ashley. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about Ashley and, and really follow her and follow the journey of Melee Inc. I literally, I told Ashley this when I first met her a while back. I was on Instagram. This is before I even started Brunch and Slate. I've always enjoyed watching women who are just getting it. Like, okay, they're out there owning it. And I came across her page. And I thought, oh, I like that. And I, I don't even remember what the post was. And I didn't even know what my mm-hmm. post was going to be. But I said something like, I cannot wait to work with you one day. And um, uh, I put that on your page. And then fast forward to even how we first met. And I thought, wow, that's uh, <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Yeah. No, see how everything's come full circle. And, and, and you keep rocking out there. I love what you're doing. Thank you for um, creating such a powerful platform for women to empower women. It's so important that... Um, you create these spaces like this because otherwise we're just sitting kind of in our little silo and we don't have a place to share and to, to support each other. So thank you, Amir, for all that you do. Oh, thank you, Ashley. And I am wishing you continued success. I am wishing you much success on your personal journey and uh, not deviate, no deviation. <laughs> no, that is the goal to, to be determined, but I, that's what I'm striving for. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, if you guys enjoyed this show, be sure to write us a review and give us a rating and whatever platform you're listening on. If you're loving the Brunch and Slate community and you're wondering how can you support it, how can you connect with us, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Brunch and Slate. And there are a number of options of how you can support Brunch and Slate, support the podcast, or even become a member of our tribe. Uh, thank you so much again for listening. And I'm Amira and this is Brunch and Slate.